I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is Free Cookies, a humorous podcast filled with thoughtful conversations and offering delicious takeaways. And today. And today we might have a few housekeeping things that aren't really housekeeping things, but a few things that don't partake to the meat and potatoes of the podcast today. Wait, we do? We have housekeeping items? Well, we do. One, I want to immediately give a shout out to our friend Liz Moody because we just got home and her new cookbook just landed on our mailbox. It's called Healthier Together. And it launches. It launches next April, Tuesday. April. Wait for it, people. April ninth. Yeah. And it is freaking gorgeous. And I don't even know where I'm going to start. But at some point next week, I, Kate and I, well, I will <laughs> try one of the recipes. Kate will eat it, and we will report back and put it up on our yes. Instagram. Healthier together recipes for two. Nourish your body. Nourish your relationships. And our listeners will recall that Liz was on the show last season. Oh, she this stopped. season, baby. She was actually episode two. And she was on last season. <laughs> I remember her last season. She did a third segment where she shared a recipe last season. And, she, and we did the live episode a, with there her. There we go. Okay, another housekeeping item is that Catherine and I were walking today, and she mentioned, <laughs> and this is, this is sort of a, a throwback, to season one of free cookies. It's not really an idiom though, is it? Uh, it's, 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 it's a bit of, it's kind of an idiom. It's Catherine of- struggles with English grammar. Yeah. And you were talking about how t- testing things and how you like to throw. We were talking about, I'm talking about my new collection that I'm designing with Kira yeah, Grace. Yeah. And you were talking about how you like to, and I quote here, throw a lot of Things against the refrigerator. Not a lot of things. I said, sometimes you just got to throw something at the refrigerator and see what sticks, which <laughs> let me defend myself because I have memories of being a young girl with my babysitter, Molly, and she taught me how do you test spaghetti to see when it's al dente. Okay. You take it out and you throw it at the refrigerator. You don't throw it at the refrigerator. Well, okay. You know what I grew up on? Being thrown at the refrigerator. That's where the noodles were thrown in, this, in my house. Okay. I think you, I, I think you throw, you throw things against the wall. Well, everyone from Kansas maybe is nodding their head with me right now because they too were taught to throw their spaghetti at the refrigerator. It could very much be a Kansas I, thing. I, I'd be curious. Curious to see how many listeners throw their spaghetti. Well, one, throw their spaghetti at all, but two, throw it against a refrigerator as opposed to the wall. My, it's a way easier surface to clean. Yeah, but my concern is that you're not actually testing the spaghetti in the same way because usually it's a kind of stainless steel. It might be a, a different temperature than just like the standard temperature of a wall. I think you'd, you'd have problems. I bet your, your pasta might be a little too al dente if you test it on a refrigerator. It could be. So that happened today, but I do have one other really important thing that has just been burning a hole through my brain. I really think really that I wasn't sure where that was going, burning a hole through your brain. Right, which is my invention is that like of money, a statement. Is that like money burning, burning a hole through in your, your pocket? pocket? This well, idea? It's a thought that is tunneling through my brain, trying to find a way out so it can floral and, he, honestly, and grow let, and, and find ways let to it say out. it incorrectly so that I can be made fun of. Let's let it out. So I really think that there are two different kind of people in the world. I was thinking the other day when I was sitting in the car in traffic. There are the people when you see a yellow light that speed up and that means get the hell through the light. Mm -hmm. And then there are the people, and I'm not just talking any any yellow light. I specifically mean at a left-hand turn yellow light. So there are the people who like speed up and go for it. And then there are the people who purposefully slow down when they could absolutely make it through. And then there are the people who live in Los Angeles, California, where yellow light means at least three more cars get to go through once it's turned red. Okay. 
And then, so you, you have this thought and then you're like, this is the division I'm just between thinking all people. in our post-apocalyptic <laughs> world <laughs> that I think that's how, you know, there's like, okay, in Harry Potter, there's like Slytherin and there's Hufflepuff and stuff like that. Is Hufflepuff I, really one of them? I, I could be bastardizing it a little bit. Hufflepuff. Totally Hufflepuff. It's Hufflepuff. Okay, thank you, producer Lindsay. Thank you. And what else? And there's another one, right? Gryffindor and Ravenclaw. Okay. Okay. So I do think maybe not so much Harry Potter, maybe more Handmaid's Tale, a post-apocalyptic world that Mm -hmm. people may be segregated into people who go through yellow lights and people who slow down. Do you think that there's a possibility that there's some gray area in there? No. That sometimes, because sometimes I think it really depends what's going on. Sometimes. You're an apple or you're an orange. You're not a Meyer lemon. Some, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm the person who speeds up and goes through the yellow light. You are light. always the person. You never, ever, in all my days of clinging in the passenger seat next to you. Clinging, is that how it is? you slowed down at clinging. a yellow light. See, I'm going to take your observation and raise you Yo. that I actually think the better dividing line is the people who will bust through on a left-hand turn when both sides have a green and that's your only chance to bust through the turn and there is no lead green arrow. That there are people who do that mm. and then there are people who will never oh, when you do see that. the window. Well, you know... Well, you have just, to get into the intersection too. You can't just like sit there safely behind the white line. No, but some people will just bust through... Oh, before the light even turns, where yeah. they're like, F you, I'm going to go. And they're going to go, gonna even there's me. no lead green, and they're just like, I could sit here for the three minutes of the light oh, and never get through. That's like that's like an, a red. You know that movie we just watched where there's the kids that are all under 17 that get different codes of colors? You know the movie we watched, the like, sci-fi movie? Yeah, it was movie? like a wannabe Hunger Games. It was like a wannabe Hunger Games. Yeah. And there are only, you know, two oranges in the world, and then there are the reds, and the reds, if you, like, take a hood off of them, they breathe fire through their mouth. Those yep. are the reds. Those people who do that? Yeah, who but blow I've, through the light before. I've like, done that. Re- you have a little red in you. I my hat to Molly when I cling to the passenger seat. Cling <laughs> to the passenger seat. Okay, so w- on today's show, <laughs> wow. Uh, none of that was actually housekeeping, by the way. None of that was housekeeping. I know, I just like to say housekeeping. Yeah, it, it sounds like a sexy podcast thing that Sam Harris right, would do. A, li- a little bit of housekeeping off the top, and then just random thoughts for us, and none of which have to do with <laughs> housekeeping. On today's show is my best friend, Shauna Hawes. We met playing for the Colorado Chill, which was a semi-pro team out of Fort Collins, Colorado, and this was 2004 that we met. So we've been best friends for 15 years. And she's on the show today because she lost her husband to cancer coming up on three years ago. And we've been wanting to have her on the podcast to talk about loss and grief and parenting. Uh, she also has two young Yeah, she's children. got uh, um, two daughters, one of whom she found out she was pregnant with while Steve, uh, her, her husband, was dying. And so he, ne- he never met Miley, the younger one, and then the older daughter, Nora, he got to know before he died. And so she's, we've had a lot of conversations with her just about how she wants to keep his memory alive, but not put him on a pedestal. And then we also get into a lot about loss and grief. And so this is a conversation that I've really wanted to have for a long time because supporting her, both of us, as she's gone through this has been very eye-opening. 
Absolutely. And she's lovely and wonderful and brings a lot of humor, as always, to what is a very difficult topic for her. So, And wraps it up with an amazing sentiment about what the definition of hope is. Yes. So, without, without further, further ado, ado <laughs> Shauna Hawes, who has a fantastic outside jumper and a sharp wit and very long legs. So we're sitting here with Shauna Hawes, which happens to be Kate Fagan's best friend in the whole wide world. And we're going to talk about some serious topics. But before we get into that, I just want to make sure we talk about, and for those of you who listened to the last episode, that Shauna is the best friend mentioned in the last episode that gave me the most redeeming moment of my life. When Not all of your life. Three of us were walking together, and Shauna talked about how Kate likes to starve her until <laughs> dinner. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not making this up. <laughs> and so every time I'm with Shauna, you know, it's not like we talk behind Kate's back. I'm right there. But, we but do. when she spins, like, until she is facing towards us again, we get little things. And I'm like, oh my God, that too. You understand. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I'm the, Shauna's the first person that I've starved. <laughs> in travels and hopefully I'm the last oh, but if you man. didn't listen to the last episode then this whole entire conversation is going right over your head and you should go back and you should listen to it and then you'll know exactly. how I drag my friends the pain and redemption that as I've experienced and my partner around <laughs> traveling cities and I don't let them eat apparently quote unquote don't let them eat until dinner it, there's I, no quote unquote thank that's you that's exactly I what happens do you have no agency I, I just, I, I don't know how, people can't last for seven hours without the, the, food. But that's not answering the question of whether you have agency to buy your own food when we're in places like New York and Paris. Like, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of guilt. Yes, there's a there lot is. of guilt being pushed down on me. Because like, if we start if you, eating that yeah. chocolate croissant, then yeah. you look at us like, why are you doing that in front of me? You know, I and, want that. And, and then really what it, is lost. what it boils down to is she actually wants the chocolate croissant. Badly. She's pissed that we're eating it. Because she's a snack monster yeah. and I'm a muffin pusher. That's true. <laughs> that's the one place I think we're least compatible is I'm a snack monster. You're a muffin pusher. And I don't want to be a snack monster, but you want to be a muffin pusher. And so all of a sudden... <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to rein in my inner snack monster, and you're not trying to rein in your inner muffin pusher. And it, and we're yeah. all a happy family. And we should all <laughs> be ourselves. Muffin pusher. <laughs> okay, like Catherine said, we are going to get to some tough topics in today's interview, but I do think that we should start. Just give the listeners a little bit of an understanding about our foundation, our origin story. So if you can just. You know, let's not keep it. I don't want it to be too long, but tell the people how we met and why we're such good friends. Okay. Um, well, I feel like we're the reason we're such good friends is obvious. I mean, there are no better people in, in the, the world. world. <laughs> Plus <laughs> one equals three. <laughs> uh, but we didn't know you back then. That's true. Um, so, kind of r random and just happenstance, uh, we were 
playing on a semi-pro basketball league. Oh, at least I was. I'd already played for a year. And um, Shauna's very tall, by the way, even taller than Kate. (laughs) And she's got a smooth outside jump shot. Yeah, but no footwork. So, Um, But I'd already played for a year, and Kate at that time was playing in Ireland uh, and had come home early and had been asked, I guess, I don't know who asked you, to come Nobody try. Nobody I asked if I could <laughs> oh, try out. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Uh, asked to try out, or asked to come try out for this team. And um, apparently, I mean, I don't know this, I only know this from you, but you had a tryout with the coach and you decided that you did not want to play on this team Mm-mm. and called the coach that night and she did not answer. So you had to show up at our 7, I think it was 7 a.m. practice um, to tell the coach face-to-face, which I I mean, like, such a good, like, great communication skills right there. Um, And, you know, I think the when you're an athlete and there you walk in and there's a practice happening and people are playing ball and shooting, I mean, it's hard not to step on that court, even though the court was... A very small court, and um, and I think we just started. <laughs> I love it. Like I, I preface this question by being like, she's gonna very quickly give us our origin story. She's like, Kate was born. <laughs> we met on a Zoolander set for basketball players. This is a big moment in but my it life. But actually, like, okay, but for for people listening to the story, our practice court actually was very small because we were given free use of like this gym in a fitness center yeah. and it was like much smaller than regulation so that's what sean is referring to yeah. even though no one would have I feel any like she's idea leading up to something big though okay no. so remember that we're on like a three minute time frame here where you're okay. supposed to introduce why we're friends she's getting I already there told you that. anyway so um just ended Muffin up practicing pusher. and i remember when you my big thing is when you walked into the gym i was standing there i don't know how why i was there because i'm never there early ever mm-hmm. anywhere and you walked in, and I looked at you, and I was like, hey, what's up? And you were like, I mean, you could tell you didn't really want to be there. I mean, and you were really? like, hey. And and I don't know. It was just And it was weird. a stunning interaction. No, it wasn't. But, I mean, from that point on, it was. I mean, then, you know, there's us on the bus, and you're like, I mean, I'd taken one bite of my sandwich because we're headed out to North Dakota to play. And, I mean, one bite of my sandwich. And you were like, hey, when are you going to break open those cookies? And I was like, <laughs> my dog. I have had one bite of my sandwich. We're not ready for cookies. She had a sleeve of cookies. Next and to I her. didn't even—I barely even knew her name. Like I didn't—I that was yeah. like our. Oh, so. how things have changed. Yeah. Unless it's past five p.m. Yeah, and then <laughs> the sun goes down, and I want all the cookies. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so that's really—that's how we became friends. I—I I, I think that you tried really hard to like. Um, move away from me, and I just wouldn't let you. So there's <laughs> that. I mean, it's—I kind of forced myself to. I, you know. to, to continue our friendship yes. past the point of us playing on the team together. Yes. So there's that. Well, that is true because we there was the proximity of like playing on the team and living in the same city. Mm-hmm. And then when I left to go to Eastern Washington State to start my journalism career, there was that period where I was doing my thing where it's like when I'm in a town, I'm like I'm connected and like I'm you know, I'm hanging out with people, but once I leave, I wasn't always great at keeping in touch back when I was younger. And I think you actually said to me at one point, you're like, you're not doing that thing you do where you move <laughs> on from the friendships. Because I had like good friends in high school that I didn't keep in touch with. And I had friends in college who I didn't keep in touch with. And yeah. then, you know, it would have been like friends with this team that I didn't keep in touch with. And you actually were like, 
You're not doing that thing that you do. Yeah. Well, that's... when you <laughs> do that oh thing. God. Okay. That's mostly because I there are very few people on this planet like you, and I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah, you were this like, is... I found a good one. I gotta hold on to it. <laughs> All right, love sesh. <laughs> Wrap it up. <laughs> So we have been friends <clears throat> since 2004, mm-hmm. 2005. Mm-hmm. And for a long stretch of that friendship, you know, there was so much of it was just what do we like we weren't necessarily living in the same city, but it was like what fun things can we plan and do? Mm-hmm. You know, and that first decade of it was like all right, when we when we meet up, we'll like we'll, we'll go to we'll go to Seattle because that's where I was living. Or like, let's plan a trip somewhere. Mm-hmm. And God, it's even hard to remember. Like, w- like why did I not be- understand how carefree that time was? Yeah. Um, and I and I say that leading up to a huge reason that we wanted to have Shauna on the show today was just to talk through some really uh, important topics on loss and grief and parenting. And so I remember. We were, I was actually in this house in Charleston because we're, cause we're in Catherine, um, our home, Catherine and I's, my and Catherine's. It mine was my and house at the I know, time. I just, I, my, my grammar is failing me here. Oops. And I was pacing out front on the street here and we were talking on the phone and you had just gotten back from Palm Beach with, uh, from yeah. Florida. Yeah. Was it Palm? It doesn't no. matter. It doesn't matter. Boca. And, um, Boca. Boca Raton, and you and your husband and mm. Nora, your daughter, you guys had just gotten back from Palm Beach, and you had found out that there was something wrong with Steve. You didn't, you know, you didn't know at the time what it was. Her husband. He, yes, Steve, her husband. <laughs> and I, can you kind of take us through just the, the beginning of when you guys found out that he was sick and, like, what that period was like? Um, yeah, well, when we were in... Uh, Florida, he found a lump in his armpit, and by the How old was he, by the way? uh, 45. Well, no, 46. He had just turned 46. Yeah. Um, And he found a lump, and by the end of the week, it had... It it was bigger. And so we got home and obviously went straight to the doctor, and he was um, basically under the knife within two weeks. Um, to remove that tumor. And apparently, so random, but um, one of my ex-students, his his surgeon was one of my ex-student's moms. And um, apparently when you, uh, melanoma, which is what he had, um, has a specific stain and a, a, a look to it. And so she knew as soon as she opened him up that he had melanoma. And um, so I actually knew that he had cancer before he was, he was even out of recovery. And I was, you know, really glad that it was someone I knew who could, you know, walk me through this. But, um, so automatically you just start the, the ball rolling, you know, um, melanoma is not, uh, a great thing to have. Um, so, you know, traveled to Ann Schutz medical center. Like it was helpful that my, this, this surgeon, um, she just set up all these appointments for us. Like I didn't have to do anything. And so it was really nice to have people in my corner because we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, we, he was in great health. We were active or healthy, you know, nothing like this. So, um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. What was, so when Steve was in surgery and then before he woke up from the anesthesia and you, you've already talked to the doctor, like what is 
what what was that conversation like? Were, were you the one who told him it was melanoma, or did the doctor mm-hmm. tell him? I did. I did. I told him that it was cancer, and his you know his face dropped. I think when we were in Florida, we had. I don't know. I think when you're a positive people, like you're, you know, and you love life and you just want to keep going, you, you just think, okay, it's just, it's just a cyst. It's fine. We're fine. It's all good. Did you you know what stage it was immediately or just the fact that it was melanoma? It was, well, it was a pretty big tumor and it was attached to lymph nodes. And so that, um, bad location, that was a, yeah, that was a big sign. And, but you know, everybody as with all cancers, everybody's super positive and hey let's fight this let's do this and what I found is like what it is is really finding the right cocktail for your body to figure out how to fight this and um, the problem with melanoma and well as as some specific cancers super fast growing and even when you get you know cat scans or um, pet scans you know pet scans show blobs of you know masses of of cells. And in his case, they were already there. They just weren't showing up. And so, you know, from diagnosis to death was three months. And that's, that's pretty intense, pretty crazy. Um, even the, the doctors at Anschutz Medical Center were like, this is, this is unprecedented. I mean, it's, it was fast. What, I remember talking to you at various points. I was spending so much time in Bristol, Connecticut, up where ESPN is during that time period. And there were a couple times where you called and it would be pretty late my time because of the Mm -hmm. two hour time difference. And there were just, there was the moment they found it had traveled to his brain. You know, there was the moment Mm -hmm. when there there was a moment when they made it very clear that there was nothing left they could do. Mm -hmm. Can you, as much as you can take us through that you're, you're, you find out that it's cancer and it's like, we got this game plan, you know, cause you guys are both athletes, you know, Steve played at Wyoming and, and you played at Regis in Denver. Like you, you're, you're like, let's put together, you know, like a plan. So what, what was that three months like from your perspective and like how you keep hope even when there's moments where you know that now your odds have gone from this to lower? Yeah, that's a great question because I don't, I think it's kind of stupidity, blind stupidity too, to keep that hope. Um, But yet you have to, I mean, if you don't, then it just, what's the point? And um, I think my, my big concern during all this was, you know, I had a a little girl who was almost two and um, I wanted to keep her life as normal as possible without you know, disrupting it, which seems strange, but I didn't want this to be like such a traumatic event in her life that she couldn't move on, you know, or, or, or learn from it or whatever. And so, um, my biggest thing was keeping her life normal while I was trying to navigate what was happening in our life. And I just, we, Steve and I would just say, I just would keep saying to him, this is just one more, one more roadblock. We're just going to knock it down and we'll get to the next roadblock because there's going to be another one, but we're going to knock it down and we're just going to keep going until we figure it out. And, um, he, you know, he, you know, him. he was like always positive, ready to go. Let's do this. Let's fight this. And, um, even, (laughs) even at one of like probably the, the worst moment where we had just talked to the 
doctors at Anschutz and and he basically we were on the phone on the speaker phone and it was his family and they said he said Steve I've looked at your scans and um it's it's pretty much all over your body and I don't see you surviving very much longer you will you will die from this and you know it's it I mean we're sobbing like this is this is the news that you don't want to hear and he <laughs> uh, forever Steve um, was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, and of course I'm, I'm cr- we're all crying, but laughing. And, you know, I think there just comes a time where you, you just have to accept what's going on. And, and he did. And he, because of that, he got to say goodbye to a lot of people and who, and, and people got to say goodbye to him. And he, even up to that I mean, even up until the the morning he died, he was the one being positive and he was the one making jokes, even though he was really struggling with with talking um, because his lungs were were filled with tumors and and liquid and fluid. So, I mean, just still, I, I don't know, it was it's it was pretty impressive, I guess. And in a place like this, I've always, you know, hypothetically put myself into a position like this, and obviously we all have people close to us who have died or will die, and you're either prepping for it or you've experienced it. In those heightened moments, like, are you religious or spiritual or with Steve? Like, I'm just wondering, coping mechanisms, was there anything that you leaned on that helped you? Or Because I would imagine there's so much anger that happens during a time like that. Yeah, uh, lots of anger. Um, I don't think we had time um, for anger at that point. I think we, um, it just went so fast. But um, I, I would say I grew up in the church. I, mean, I wouldn't call myself religious, and Steve would, was definitely not religious. Um, spiritual, sure. Um, but I would say both of us are more, I don't know, this sounds weird, but humanitarian. Mm-hmm. And those people around me, my family and my friends, uh, were, I mean, Everything, ever. That is that is who we leaned on. Steve's friends. I mean, it was people, and, and that they are who gave us comfort and kept us like buoyed. We actually have Nora and your daughter Miley here, and they mm. are running around upstairs. You might be able to hear some something. Mm. So if you don't podcast. don't ever <laughs> feel like if you hear them calling for you, we can just pause, oh, and good. if you have to run up there, so. Okay. I'm good. Okay. Cool. If there, I don't. I didn't hear a scream. We're good. Okay. No blood curdling screams. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing both of them, we will hear if something's going on. But um, you know, I have a couple things to ask because I know I. You might be talking about the call that you mentioned with the Denver doctors, but like I, because I was I was there that week that Steve died, and I, I remember there was like this last treatment that and you thought he could go to Denver still because we mm-hmm. were in Fort Collins he had yep. been you know he'd been to Denver but we, we you were in the Fort Collins hospital and you had this hope still that we could get him to Denver for like one Hail Mary attempt you like know at a treatment chemo, yeah. and I remember being in the room and it was clear that he needed you to stop yep what when you were in there, and I, you wanted him to go to Denver for mm-hmm. this treatment. It's like, I, what, yeah. how do you like? How do you get to that place in that moment where it's like he want, he clearly was like Shauna, it's done. Like, well, how did you even get to the place to say okay? 
for him in that moment? Um, well, obviously it took me a while. I mean, I had steps like this, um, all along, um, on the 4th of July, which is one of his favorite, um, uh, holidays, he had kind of guessed that he wanted people over and like, we'd always had a big party and I was like, you know, I'm going to call select few and we can hang out for a little bit, but that's it. And, um, you know, so these people came over and then everybody goes watch the, watch the fireworks and then they come back and, you know, we keep hanging out. And um, they all left, and Steve was like, well, you got to leave the door open, you know. I mean, at this point, he's on oxygen, and, um, you know, he's struggling already. And I'm like, Steve, we need, we need to go to sleep. We need to, you know. So there were these moments where I was the one who was leading, like, let's, let's work on this. But then the next day, or the next time he was in the emergency room, <clears throat> I remember distinctly he came home. Or no, he was getting ready to go to the emergency room, and... <clears throat> And I squatted down next to him and I was like, you know, maybe this is just the chemo. This is just how you're supposed to feel. And he goes, Shauna, I feel it all over in my body. And he went to the emergency room and then when he, this was the second time, so he came home and I, I, again, I squatted down next to him and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. And he said, well, you weren't ready to hear it. Mm. And I, that's always just stuck with me because I wasn't ready to give up on him um, because I wasn't in it. I didn't know what his body felt like. And, and I think it's kind of a curse to be an athlete because you know your body even more than most people. And um, I think that was hard. I, and, and when he said that to me, in, it was just the look he gave me, and I, I let it go. Another thing that I think we struggled with during this, and afterwards also, as two people who deeply love you, is how could we be there for you? And this is a term that Kate used to not like, but she understands now, hold space for you Mm -hmm. and not get up in your business or be, you know, have presumptions or anything like that. And I'm just curious from, if you in retrospect could have talked to the people who loved you most and given them advice on how to be best to you during this time, what would you say to them? That's such a hard question because I've been to several funerals since and, important people have passed away in my life and I still don't know what to say to them, even though I've been through this. Because honestly, there really is nothing to say. You can't make it better. You can't fix it. Um, And all the people who kind of rallied around me, um, my my village, you know, my teacher friends, they um, they were the ones doing all the like, you know, cooking and they were the ones giving like taking care of Nora and making sure I was eating as I was three months pregnant. And, um, you know, all these things, like those things were incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in that space, so in that space, you want so badly to say the right thing that's going to change that person's perspective. Things, you know, cliche things like they're in a better place. Um, uh, they don't have to suffer anymore. Oh, that's, that's all real. That's, that's true. But I mean, fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, and I, you don't want to say that, but that's what you feel because all of a sudden your person has been taken away from you and it's not fair. And you, you, you just, you're at a loss. Like you, it's, it's, you're in this weird dream like thing. And, um, so my advice is to, um, just listen because mostly what I needed to do was cry 
and be in that moment and feel sorry for myself a little bit um, and try to figure out a game plan. And um, so, yeah, you can't fix it. And no matter how much you want to fix it, you can't. There's nothing that you can say that's going to make it better. So don't, just don't. (laughs) So you mentioned that you were three months pregnant Mm -hmm. and that was, even though I'm not religious and I'm using this term more in a cultural sense, miraculous, because you you and Steve, but you in particular had told me, I remember we were in Peter Luger's in New York City and it was eight years ago that you guys were quote unquote pulling the goalie and you were going to (laughs) try to have a kid and it took three years to have Nora five five years from the time we started yeah yeah and you guys had to go all the way through we had in vitro yeah and so I guess there was a kind of this general assumption that you couldn't get pregnant naturally right and then yeah so can you can you take us through finding out that you're pregnant because Steve is sick yeah when you find out that you're pregnant and then talking to him about at the the end about what the girls, future girls at the time, only Nora, but, and names and all of that. Yeah, it was, um, he was diagnosed and I believe we had, we had already started, like I'd gone in for my base checkup, um, to start. We were, we had decided that we were going to do in vitro again and skip the IUIs. And, um, so he was diagnosed and, I think maybe three weeks later, two, three weeks later, I, I was, felt weird. I didn't know what was happening. I felt nauseous. I don't know. And I took a test and I, I remember this was so crazy because he, we had family coming in and they were coming over for dinner. And I, that's the night I decided to pee on a stick, like right, <laughs> like 15 minutes before they were coming over. And I, and I'm like, Steve, could you come up here for a minute? And I'm holding up the stick, oh you know, God. and it's, you know, <laughs> there's so many like positive, two stripes, whatever. And he won't look at the stick. He's looking straight at me and he's like, what does that mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> and so I'm like, Steve, look at it. <laughs> he goes, I don't know what it means. What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> and I'm like, we're going to have a baby. And he was like, and you could just see like, I mean, he's so happy, but you could see in the back of his mind, it was like, shit. But there's also that like roller coaster of, hey, we have something to fight for. Like we already did, but we have, you know, this is going on. And um, when it was apparent that um, he was not going to make it to the birth, um, I was sitting in his hospital. I had to go in late at night to see him because there were swarms of people in the ICU just going to see him. He's very popular. Very popular. And, Local um, high school basketball teacher. Right. I mean, he was very popular. <laughs> right. So um, I had to go in late at night to hang out with him. And I was like, um, you know, we just, talking about it, he was really struggling with talking, you know, speaking again. And um, I just, I told him, I go, you better fucking be at that birth or I'm going to, I'm going to figure out a way to haunt you. Like I, (laughs) you, you have to be there. And he just smiled and, um, and you didn't mean physically, right? You just meant emotionally, emotionally, some, somehow. Um, and, uh, the, the day we got that, the really, really bad news, um, uh, 
he, I went in and he was like kind of giving me, making me write down all these financial things and all these crazy things. And, and he goes, okay, I think that's it. Is there anything else? And I closed the notebook and I said, we need to name our child. Hmm. And he was like, yeah, that's pretty important. And, um, so he ixnayed every single name that I'd written down, which was roughly 20. Were they all trash? They were all trash. <laughs> no, they were good. <laughs> if Steve nixed them, they were trash. Oh, man, whatever. Mademoiselle Oates. Jeez. <laughs> Seriously. A Pelotonia. <laughs> Peloton. It's, I know. I love my Peloton. Eloise, like... uh, don't eat past five. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were not trash. Just Come on. Just kidding. But um, it got too sad for me, and I had to alleviate the sadness. No, yeah, but. no, it was. So it you was, you ran through a bunch of names. And yeah, he was and like, he no. ixnayed them, and we knew that we wanted. Was he, he actually presenting any names? Was he no, offering any input? At all. None ever. That sounds very Steve too. Yeah, totally. And uh, we knew we we wanted to use his grandmother's name because his grandmother he had pulled a lot of strength from her. Um, he had had heart surgery uh, at age twenty eight, and really pulled strength from her during that time, and. Um, so we wanted to use her name as the middle name, and uh, if it was a girl, and so I had, you know, we had the we had the boy's name for sure, but um, he just, and and so now I'm pulling names out of my ass, like uh, I Whitney Houston, right. Britney Spears. Like, I mean, yikes! You and you're like, cords. I, you're just like thinking of famous people, <laughs> Eliza, right? <laughs> oh, oh, the wife of got it. Yeah. So I pulled one out and. He was like, that's it. Wow. And it happened to be a family name of his. And so Miley, Miley, Miley became Miley. <laughs> so Miley is Miley. <laughs> and so did he show up to the birth? I know. Well, I, I want to know. If or, you, or, or you are you charged with haunting you, him? I, no, I, I believe he was there. And I don't really believe in this stuff. But um, I mean, do you go want, for it. Oh. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Tell right. us. You have a, so. you have a paranormal activity <laughs> story. Go for it. <laughs> it wasn't paranormal. I just don't know. Well, I had asked um, my mom to be at my bir- at the birth and my sister-in-law, Tina, and um, two of my really good friends, Lisa and Leslie. And, um, <clears throat> you know, when they prep you for your birth, they, t- they tell you that you can have, you know, your iPod and whatever and put it into this. So I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I'm, we're waiting. We're just hanging out. And let's plug in. And, and this was at a time where I had had a bunch of contractions. Everybody thinks that I'm going to give birth. And then they turn me over to, you know, bathe my spine in the medicine to, you know, whatever. And mm. all, everything stops. And the, the doctor and the nurse, the doctor who's doctor, whatever. Anyway, they're just staring at my vagina. And I'm like, <laughs> beautiful vagina. Hey, you guys come here often <laughs> and like not one, nothing, BJJ. nothing happens. So. I'm like, well, let's listen to some music while we're all staring at my vagina. <laughs> so um, he, I, I hand my phone to Leslie, and I have this playlist. And I'm like, just put this in the dock. Because in my head, there's a dock. Yeah. You know? And she's, like, wandering around the room. I'm not paying attention. My brothers are there at this point. Not, you know, they're... Looking at your vagina. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not. Not that but, close, but... I mean, and so it was the strangest thing, because I had the play... I said, all you have to do is press play. Well... She, I don't know what she did, but um, she hit buttons, I don't know, and the song that came on was a song that reminds me of Steve. He doesn't. He never knew it. He didn't know it. I, it was my song that, you know, I thought of Steve when I heard it. Had no, like, connection. We had, didn't have a memory with it. It was just, I don't know. And, um, <clears throat> and she played that song. Wow. And it was weird because that was not on, on your playlist. not on my playlist at all. 
And it was strange because I immediately started crying and no, nobody except for Lisa had like, had, I had talked to, but I hadn't talked to anybody about the song except for Lisa. And I, it was only because I posted these lyrics on, you know, on Facebook or whatever. And so I just automatically started crying and it was weird. Not one person said anything, but all of them just came and put a hand on me. Mm-hmm. Not one person said anything. They didn't know what the fuck was happening. I mean, and the, my brothers, my mom, everybody, just no words, just put their hands on me for the whole song. And I was like, I go, okay, well, he's here. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. That's just, I don't believe in that stuff. I really don't. I don't at all. But it was, it was magical. It really was. <laughs> so... I don't know. I'd like to think he was there. So I don't have to like haunt him. (laughs) (laughs) So. Okay. So, you know, in, I know a thing, sorry, a thing you did. And we've talked to Sarah's crying, right? (laughs) (laughs) Kiona's crying. And now she's like, yeah, I'll fucking put these. <laughs> Speaking of vaginas. <laughs> she's like, it's past chow time. <laughs> um, okay, so, you know, you, Steve, you know, as we've established, Steve died. And you have Miley and Nora, two really young girls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the, in the first year after Steve died, you put up an Instagram post of Steve every night. Yep. And I think, you know, I would, we, we would talk about it and I would kind of like go back and forth between like, fuck yeah. And also not, not knowing anything, right? It's like, I'm like a licensed medical <laughs> professional, <laughs> you know, I'm just like <laughs> scared because I knew Steve and I'm like, he was wonderful, but he was also like, not wonderful in some ways, right? Absolutely. Like everybody. Like all humans, yeah. right? And and like and I was like, we talked a lot about like, is this I think I even asked you, right? Sometimes I'm like, is this a healthy thing that nope. you're doing? So can you can you just share with us like why you did that, what it brought to you, and you know, why you are why you stopped after a year. And there weren't necessarily you didn't always do captions with them, right? You nope. just posted a photo of him every day, a memory or a yeah. photo that you had. It was um without okay. stories attached to them. Some sometimes I posted stories. Um it depended. Like, you know, there was one where there was a picture of us in London and it was just him actually and he was like and so I posted the story that how we got caught in a rainstorm and stopped into this pub. So, you know, one of my favorite memories. Um but first of all, before we talk about that, um I uh, just maybe need to point out that um, in in all this, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, Kate, were probably one of the most helpful people um, because you kept things in check and you asked me the really hard questions that most people skirt around. And... Um, I appreciated that so much in those moments because they were hard questions and they were hard to answer, but they needed to be answered and we needed to talk about them. And I always felt like you were the one who kept the reality in check. And that was such a gift. Even in the moment, it was a gift. 
and I knew it. So thank you for that. I um, love you. Um, I just, the night he died, I just, I wanted it to be out there. I wanted people, obviously I needed to let people know, but um, it just started as this, <clears throat> I don't even know who said it to me. Somebody said, you should probably post more pictures because I love seeing him. Mm-hmm. And I love, love, you know, I love all these pictures and I love the stories. And so I just said, you know what, maybe I should just post them for a year. And I did, and it was hard because every night I had to go back and um, look through pictures, which, as you know, is torture. <laughs> but also, <laughs> but it's an also, escape, right? Right. Also, super comforting, and all those memories like rush back, and I'm like, you know, and and for me, um, it was so therapeutic, and I can't explain why, but it was just um, I looked forward. I, maybe after the first month, <laughs> I looked forward to doing that every night and choosing mm. which part of his life I was going to share with people tonight. Um, and I think it also helped other people. I don't, I mean, they said it helps. Maybe they were just lying. Um, but <laughs> it was just helpful for me. And I loved reliving those those moments and, and telling, you know, even like pictures from his childhood that I didn't know about. And I would post it and then his brother would, you know, say, hey, this is when we went to blah, 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 you know, and so I loved finding out about that, and it was just so helpful, and sometimes Nora and I would do it, we would, we would pick the picture, and I don't know, it just was helpful, and I decided I would do it for a year, and I posted my very favorite picture of him the last night, and, and we, I was actually in Maine, uh, Maine is a place where we go every summer, it was, it's his family, child, like, summer kind of cabin camps and we go every summer and so I posted it there and it was uh, it was hard and difficult and wonderful all at the same time um so I don't know I I just felt like that was my way of like talking about it and talking through it and I mean I don't, I don't think it'll work for everybody but it certainly helped me was there a sense of letting go on that final day of the year <clears throat> A little bit. Um, we had spread his ashes, um, some of his ashes in Maine, and that was really a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, I had a three-year-old to keep me in check. Um, some... She keeps us all in check. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's like, I didn't, you know, I had Steve's ashes, and she kept saying, what, what is this? And I'm, I'm like, how am I going to answer that? Uh, it's daddy. What? I mean, I'm going to fuck her up forever if I say that. So you don't want to lie to her. No. So I'm like, I don't even know what I said, but then when we're, you know, spreading ashes into the lake, Nora's like, yay, sand. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, there's this reality that kicks in. Yeah. So yes, closure. Yes. But is closure a thing? No, yeah. What it's is not. what is letting go? The, the quote letting go. What does that look like to you? What, what does that it, mean yeah. to you? Uh, Currently, as well. Like, I don't feel like it's a letting go. I feel like it's just a. It's or just moving a process. On. Yeah. Um, uh, there's this great quote, and it's ta- it talks about grief and how it hits you in waves. And sometimes you are treading water, and it's calm, and everything's fine. And then other times there's this like tsunami of of grief that hits you, and and that that is truly what it's like. And and the problem with that is is that you don't know when that tsunami's going to hit. 
much like the real tsunamis. Okay. But um, it's a good like, metaphor that way. <laughs> really applicable. <laughs> Seriously. But you don't know. I mean, you prepare yourself for these piece like these things in life that are going to happen and you're like okay this is going to be tough and then it's not and then all of a sudden you get like roundhoused by some random you know piece of clothing that you found Mm. and you're like wait what so it's it's very um yeah it's hard to navigate I still don't know what I'm doing I just and what um you you had a little bit of time you know, before Miley was born. Yeah. Um, but you would have had to th- think about this anyway. Like, you're a game planner. W- and what was your philosophy going forward with Nora and then Miley when it came to how you wanted to keep Steve in their thoughts and balance also moving forward? Like, what? how did you approach that? Well, I don't know that I approached it. I just, I was like, <laughs> so I don't you didn't know what have... to do. I, I okay, tried. Okay. I thought about it and I, um, I knew that I wanted to, to talk about things. I mean, I, obviously I'm a talker, but, um, I want <laughs> a very good talker. <laughs> I wanted it to be an open conversation and I never wanted Nora or Miley, um, to feel like it was a tab that he was a taboo subject. Like, if there were ever ever any questions or if they wanted to you know me to tell a story that they could they could ask me no matter what no matter when um and i think part of that was letting nora well see see my grief in and have it be real i never hid my crying from her i never you know if i was <clears throat> i just never hid it from her and i never made it um a bad thing. I, you know, we talked about everything surrounding death is so abstract. Like, well, he went to heaven. Well, what's heaven? I mean, you know, everything he's, he, it's so finite and abstract at the same time. And so we had lots of conversations and I, I do uh, think that I am emotionally um, stable and healthy because of, you know, because of Nora, because I had to talk about it. I mean, she was turning two within a week after he died and you know, she's, where's daddy? Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> so what did you say? I mean, I said, he's, he's not here. He died. And when you die, you're not coming back. Um, and so this was a daily conversation because as a two-year-old, it's repetitive and you gotta, it's just, and, you know, but I want to see daddy. Yeah, me too. Um, so we can look at pictures of him and we can hold him in our hearts, but, but that, you know, we have to, we, we talk about him and that's, that's how we keep him alive. And I think, you know, I've talked about this with you before. I, my biggest like conundrum was how to keep him in the conversation and relevant, but not, not make his, his, not have him loom over us and always be the, the epicenter because it, it's not about him. It's not about myself. It's about those two little girls. And, and I, I never want, I, I never wanted, and I never want his death to be an excuse for them or a way out, or I never want them to, to play, you know, I don't want to, I don't want them to play that card, you know, 
I, yeah. I want it to be a piece of their life, but, um, and I want them to know him, but it's their life. It's about them. One thing I know that I've pushed back on you a little bit is in how sometimes I hear you talk about Steve and mm -hmm. I worry that it's like a rose colored rear view mirror and mm. I, I, that's that would be on like a 1970s car mm -hmm. that you would have one of these rose colored yeah, rear view sure. mirrors. It's not enough just to be lenses. It has to be a rear view. Yeah, mirror yeah. and there would well. be like dice hanging from this rear view mirror. <laughs> Very fuzzy. Um, you know, and you and I, you know, just because I would hear, well, I would hear you sometimes the way you would talk about them, and those were all accurate, but it was like there was no none of that balancing. Yeah of what it was like, you know, before he got sick and like who the real Steve was. Yeah. And, but you would always like, you would always just kind of check me back too. And you'd be like, no, I, I, I know all of it. I know who he was. So anyway, I, the, the question in there is just like, how, how do you, when someone is gone and you're not daily reminded of like their annoyances and your aggravation, <laughs> aggravations with them, how do you balance out not idolizing them? I don't know. I, that's, that's a hard question. Um, do you think you? I do you think that you see him as like on a pedestal? And do you ever have bad memories of him anymore, or is it all positive oh, now? Oh yeah, no. I mean, no. We had a great marriage, but he was. I mean, just by nature, he was a dick. I mean, <laughs> which is what I loved about him. And you know, there were all these crazy nuances that he had. You know, that. And that, that's the thing. It's a great question because it's hard no matter, you know, any breakup, any divorce, any, you know, death, you, you tend to, if you lose somebody in whatever capacity, you tend to only focus on that, the good. And, which is a great trait. It really is. And I do think that um, I have focused more on the positive because the girls are so young. And when they are older... I, I think that then maybe some more real Steve stories will come out and uh, from, you know, and, and when they are learning about relationships or, you know, things like that, I think, I think it's a, it's gradual. It's a journey because I, you know, they're not going to understand the nuances of a marriage, right? You know, I mean, and they don't get to witness it. So they're only witnessing my perspective right now. And so my perspective should my, my goal right now is for them to know him. And I, and I try to do instead of like the, the annoying things, I try to pose it, like pose it as a, a silly thing that he did or, you know, things that silly things that he liked or didn't like or whatever. So I try to, I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, the, yeah. I mean, cause now <laughs> I'm thinking through, it's like rationally, you're not going to be like, the one night that your dad, you know, decided to go drinking with his bros instead of hanging out with me. Right. That's one thing about your dad. I mean, there, there's no right. space for there's that. There's a time right and now. place for yes. that in the future. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, and just I, so they don't think, yeah, they don't think like, Oh, this is a relationship. Mommy and daddy had this relationship and it was like this beautiful love yeah, story, you know? And, and like, because it didn't exist because they didn't see it modeled in right. real they life, they can create whatever they want. Create whatever they want. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so what is, and so moving forward, what does romantic love, like, how do you envision that in your family? I don't know. Um, I, I think at, right after Steve died, I, I didn't, uh, not that I wasn't open to it, but I, I only saw the three of us. I only saw the girls and I, and I, 
I'm lucky that... Um, what did he say about it, by the way? Who? Steve. He he never said... I think... Oh, yeah. He, he did you discuss that? No, his brother did with me. <laughs> like, after. But Steve never said, find someone no. as handsome as me. No. <laughs> that seems no, like a Steve I thing. Think, I think it was... I think... I think that would have taken away from who he was. He, you know, I mean, in, in his mind, there's an, he's never, I'm never going to find anyone. Yeah. He's irresistible. <laughs> it's true. I mean, <laughs> no, he, was, he was his own person, um, good and bad. But I, I think I'm lucky enough that I don't mind being alone. I really actually like my alone time. I like being by myself. Um, and I like being with my girls, and I'm trying really hard to raise humans who I want to hang out with. Um, and right now it's not working. <laughs> but, it's hard um, to want to hang out with a five-year-old all the time. <laughs> yeah, you're really prepping us for motherhood. I really. Know, yeah, I really yeah. love my daughter, but I don't like her regularly, yeah. maybe every day right it's now. It's true, <laughs> and it's hard. Like, I'm in, I'm in kind of, I, I think I'm past the survival mode because now Miley is a little bit more independent, but um, it's hard. And I, I think my big focus right now is the girls and it should be. And I'm, I'm not one of those people who thinks that I I just don't think I, I don't have to be with anybody. That's not going to complete my life. If Mm -hmm. I find somebody that's great. Um, but I'm not going to actively, you know, date and go on dating websites. I just, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen organically. And, you know, I'm open, I'm totally open, but I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know that I want it to look like anything I don't know I I don't know I have a couple specific questions um going back to because sometimes I've I've throughout um throughout the last few years so since Steve died sometimes I've I've not that it's my role but I I like try to keep you in check you do instead and I totally appreciate that so this is the listeners won't know this specifically, but right. So one thing I've for some reason I've been worried about, and I don't know why. So you need to set me straight. Okay. Is somebody made that awesome picture of Steve that's hanging at the bottom of your stairs, mm-hmm. and I think that my I I have been worried right that for a certain amount of time it's good to have that there. And to paint a picture for the listeners, this is a, a large picture, it's correct? Very yes, large, very yes. large. Yeah. And then past the point, it feels like it might do damage. Damage being like, I mean, you know, like a reverential sort of like idolized interpretation of him. And so, number one, I don't know if it still exists at the bottom of the stairs because I haven't been there in a number of months. Yeah, it's there. And number two, how do you feel? What is it? How do you feel about it right now? (laughs) I I have had these same thoughts for sure. Um, I, I, hmm. It's a beautiful picture, and one of his very dear friends had it, you know, commissioned, and it's beautiful and wonderful. And um, it's the sexiest photo of him that oh, exists. Oh, for sure. It's like he, I mean, he was a good looking man, best. but this is like yeah. this is this like, is like his college, like right after college, and he's got like that. He's like he got a tan. Yeah. He's like, okay. I mean, it's pretty. <laughs> so it's the GQ painting. Yeah, seriously. Yes. Um, and it's, it's really cool because the back has like, you know, his favorite number, which was 55 and like, all I want is you and things like that. Those are the children. Um, (laughs) this is, that's this, I think this is the last question anyway. So are going, so 
I, it's a good, good question, and I'm hoping that at some point that answer will come to me. But right now, I don't feel like it's doing damage. I feel like it's a, a reminder um, to hold hope in your heart. And What do you mean by that? Um, I don't know. I, f- I feel like this whole process has um, really emphasized the word hope in so many... like. It's just such a hard thing because you hope that I I'm mostly, mostly I hope I'm doing the right things. I hope I'm not fucking these girls up more than, I mean, they're already, you know, they're already going to need therapy, obviously. But <laughs> I, you know, that's another big thing. I, there's no, there's no one to even out my crazy. And I'm not saying, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying Steve wasn't crazy, but I would have evened out his crazy. And so hope that, you know, I hope that they understand how much he loved them, even though he, you know, he never got to meet Miley. I hope he, uh, or, or I hope they understand how m- much we loved the idea of having them and that family and being the, you know, creating good humans. I, I, I think that's the hope. And I don't think, I think it's just a daily reminder of what, what we had and what, you know, that love and that, um, that freedom, that independence within a marriage that I think a lot of people don't have. Um, and that, that honesty, you know, Steve and I were really good at bantering and I was really good at making fun of him and you were very good, you at know, that. and, and he was very good at taking it. Yeah. It's weird. But, um, I, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, yeah. Okay. Well, I, you know, it's not as if, I think with all of these questions that I would like ask you and we talk about, it's like, certainly I have a perspective, right? I know you got to get up there to them. <laughs> but like, I also know and trust you implicitly, you know, with, not that you, I shouldn't, and I feel like I'm rambling now, but like, I just, I just don't want you, the three of you, because you're kind of like in that bubble all day, every day. Like sometimes it, you can not be able to step outside <laughs> and see perspective. I, uh, so anyway, I know they're, no, they're probably no, no. bashing their heads Kate against the table. Kate doesn't really love table. esoteric. I, I think what she's trying to say is that she loves you deeply and she wants the best <laughs> for you and your children. And honestly, your explanation of what hope means really resonated with me. And I think that painting should live there as long as that's <laughs> the emotion that it evokes from you and the girls. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope so. But that yeah. you realize this is your job, right? It's my job. It's your job. It's my job. Ask me these the I got to say, how long is that painting staying up? Live, which <laughs> we should probably go check on them. <laughs> yeah, because the thumps have been getting very loud. Thumpier. <laughs> Thumpier. Wait, don't you want to know my favorite cookie? Oh, my God. God dang. Gosh darn. <laughs> we have kids around these days. Earmuffs. I mean... This whole the free cookies podcast is it's because true. Of, exactly I wanted to talk true. about that, but we are running low on time. In fact, we've you know we've cookies. What what is your what's favorite your favorite cookie? cookie? Oatmeal raisin. Yeah. <laughs> and now we know why they're best friends. It comes out in the wash. <laughs> I, I can't help it. It's always been that. It's so good. Like, snickerdoodles are close second. It's okay. I'll be in the corner by myself eating <laughs> all of the good cookies. <laughs> love you, Shauna Hawes. Thank you for having love me. You. <laughs> 
We were so honored to be able to talk to Shauna and finally have her on the podcast and share some of the thoughts and ideas and stories that had been percolating for her over the last few years. And so finally, she came to Charleston to make that happen, not just for the podcast, also so we could all hang out and spend time with her daughters. But we are very grateful to her for being so candid in that conversation. And there isn't possibly anything that we could talk about after that. So we're going to just let this set in for the listeners. And as always, we thank you for being here with us. Want to, as always, shout out the people who've taken time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. So a big thank you to Kofa123, Ash from Philly, exclamation point, and FrannyFoo25. We appreciate all of you guys and especially our producer, Lindsay, Lindsay of F&B Radio. You can email us at freecookiespodcast at gmail.com and please follow us on Instagram at freecookies. Yes, and you can support this podcast, which you may have noticed is ad-free. You can support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash podcast, or is it just free cookies? Go find it. Try one of those. One of those is going to work. If you're still listening to this right now. If you now, think we're worth giving money to think, after the fact that we don't know our own URL. But if someone is diligent enough to still be listening right now, I feel like they're the kind of person who would also figure out the Patreon page. Absolutely. So, oh, and we're back on Spotify because Lindsay is persistent. Persistent. She persisted. F. Thanks to Shauna. Thanks know to if Lindsay. you're listening on Spotify. So I guess that's a bit Thanks to my wife, it? Catherine. That's Thanks me. to our dog, Ashi. Our other dog Kiona a uh, big shout out to my sister my plants, mom my dad the plants on our front porch the plants in our backyard the my in-laws on the um, landing of the staircase and definitely the plants in our bedroom holla peace out <laughs>